0: I don't know if you've noticed, but it seems like a lot of the good movies that we watch are built on the premise of misunderstanding, that that's not really, everything's not what it looks like. The timeless classic, uh, of course, uh, Meet the Parents. Hello? With Ben Stiller, who's trying to impress his prospective father-in-law, Robert De Niro, and everything he does is misunderstood, yeah? How many of you just feel like... Leave her already. Just leave her. She's not worth it. Anybody? No, he just hangs in there. One misunderstanding after another, and misunderstandings can be really, really dangerous. Last week, we got started on a message that we couldn't really finish, and I I feel like what I left you with was rife with potential for misinterpretation. And so, um, I wanted to I wanted to revisit that. Uh, the short version of what I was bringing to you last week from Deuteronomy chapter 28 is called the, uh, the Kinsel Principle, as you may recall, that whole concept of blind obedience to the will of God, no matter what your inside is telling you to do, right? And the short version of that from Deuteronomy chapter 28 The short version of that is that God blesses our obedience, that this is a principle of knowing God, is that God blesses our obedience and that it's a direct blessing. It's a blessing that he specifically provides for his sons and daughters when we are specifically individually uh, obedient to his call on our lives And that it's also a proportional blessing that the more we develop a lifestyle of obedience to God and the things that he says to us in his word and by the spirit, the more we develop that lifestyle of obedience, the greater the sense of blessing will be from the Lord. I call this, as you may recall if you were here last week, you're at a small disadvantage if you weren't here last week, but we'll catch you up as best we can here. Uh, I called it the Kinsel Principle last week because uh, of a lady named Alta Kinsel who was an elderly lady very early in my ministry 1978 I was 23 years old and I was just getting started I was in seminary and uh, I was called to visit this lady who was in a nursing home and she had just had her leg amputated which uh, seemed really creepy to me and I I was squeamish already and I just did not want to go see her I argued with the Lord about why pastors shouldn't go visit sick people and all kinds of things, and, and that this wasn't in any of my seminary classes or anything, but, you know, how it is with the Lord, right? Did anybody ever win an argument, actually, with the Lord, and you argue with him? And I, I was so reluctant to follow this, although the stirring was so clear like I'm driving back and forth in front of the driveway of this place, going, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. And then finally my 1973 Dodge Dart just turned in there. And I parked, and I went in, and I saw this lady who, uh, Alta Kinsel, uh, well into her 80s, had lost a leg through some complications with diabetes, and she was grinning from ear to ear, and the love of the Lord was all over her and was coming off of her, and I am the one who was blessed when I walked in that room that day. I thought, here is some old lady who had just had a catastrophic surgery who needed the brilliance of this young pastor to come in and bring her, you know, the anointing of God, and of course, she would need this. Who doesn't? You know, and, and uh, this was my perception And when I got in there, I realized that I was the full recipient of the blessing of God. Because she was waiting. She was in there waiting under the current of God's blessing, waiting for me to show up so she could share it with me. God blesses obedience. And so I call this the Kinsel Principle. It's actually in the Bible, in case you were wondering. Many times... As we were studying in Deuteronomy chapter 28 last week, as we're working our way through the Bible, I told you we were going to take a break from that, but we didn't finish last week. We didn't finish Deuteronomy. So we've got to give her one more shot here so that we don't let uh, the possibility of misinterpretation run crazy here. Deuteronomy chapter 28, the Bible says, if you fully obey the Lord your God, if you fully... uh, How much? Fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. And then he goes into a long list of some pretty incredible blessings. And so it's clear in both the Old Testament and the New Testament that God blesses obedience. This is a principle that operates in the kingdom of God. It's many times throughout the Old Testament And you might say, but Jesus was completely obedient to the will of God for us on the cross. Absolutely right. But there is still a ready application for this principle in the New Testament, where Jesus himself said, blessed are those, listen, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So Jesus made the same promise, that even though he satisfied all of the demands of the law for us before a holy God on the cross, all that is true. There is still a blessing waiting for us as we develop a a lifestyle lifestyle of responsive obedience to the will of God in our lives. Um, But just saying that God always blesses obedience without explaining it I think leaves room for some widespread misunderstanding both about the character of God and about the nature of the gospel itself. I think a fair question would be, um, why is this principle true? Why does God bless obedience? I mean, isn't this just another form of works righteousness and legalism, if we're saying God blesses obedience, so that God is here saying, Mike, if you're a good boy, I'll love you, and I'll be good to you. But if you're a bad boy, I won't it kind of can come off that way, can't it? And that's legalism. That's works righteousness. And it sounds like God is being petty. He's being manipulative. I'm going to get Harry to come over here and do this thing with a chocolate. Sit, boy. Sit. Come on. Come on. Come on. Sit. Catch it. Catch it. There you go. Good boy. I mean, is that what this is about? What this principle is about? Is God the first Skinnerian behavioral modificationist wait for it some of you dialing back dialing back B.F. Skinner the behavior modification theorist who said none of us really have any free will but we're driven by whatever will bring us the, the best result is that what God is up to he knows this about us so he's just kind of tricking us into being good people is that what this is about Well, the answer is no. It's not a question of works, righteousness, and legalism for a couple reasons. First, because your state of salvation is never at risk by your obedience. Now, this is about to blow some of your minds, and some of you are going to argue with me. But your state of salvation, that is, whether you're saved or not, is never at risk by your level of obedience. What? It wouldn't be that way if I was God. (laughs) I'm glad you're not God. Your state of salvation, whether you are saved or not, is not determined by your level of obedience, but by your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, who was fully obedient for you. Done. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 in your Bible. Turn back to the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And Paul here is in context. He's talking about the incredible change that happens in our lives when we really come to know the Lord. And he wants to be sure of one thing, that even though our lives change and we start living a different life, he wants us to be sure we know that our state of salvation is not based on on our acts, on our behaviors, but it's on our faith only. In chapter 2, verse 8, he says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That Your salvation, whether you are saved or not saved, whether you are adopted into the family of God as a son or daughter of the living God, is based on, only on the authenticity of your faith released in Jesus Christ as Savior of your life. Now, there, there should be, and typically is, a lifestyle change that follows that as a person falls in love with Jesus and begins to adopt a whole new value system, is filled with the Holy Spirit, becomes intrigued with the Word of God, and says, well, I want to walk in these ways, but I want you to know that your salvation is never based on that. Right? There's like brain matter all over the room. What? Come on! can it just be a little up to me? It is either all up to you, the Bible says, or it is none up to you. Which do you want? Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Let him do all the work on the cross for you, for the forgiveness of your sins, for the maintenance of your salvation. Invite the Holy Spirit to come in, clean house, do his work, change you. Cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit. But none of that part is built on your, is, is, uh, you know, affects your, the, your state of salvation. Some of you still don't believe me, so turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Some of you are drafting your emails on your little smartphones right now. and Got seven scriptures. By the way, I don't read any of those, so you'll save yourself some time. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, Paul's talking about, he's talking about, the value of our works. So then it doesn't matter what we do after we're saved. No, well, I didn't say that. It just doesn't affect whether or not we're saved. And so he says this in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder in someone else's building. And he's talking to the Corinthians. He's talking about different people will come and bless your life, lives in different ways. But he said, but each one should be careful how he builds. So it doesn't matter what you do. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So first of all, the foundation of our salvation is Jesus Christ. Done. That's the whole deal right there. Is your faith in Jesus Christ today? Yes or no? Yes, yes or no? Yes. Then you're going to heaven after this. Glory to God. I don't mean right after this, but sometime after this, you're going to heaven after this. Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus Christ. Done. There's one foundation, he says, and that's Jesus. Now, he says, he says in verse 12, If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, in other words, you're going to do stuff after you're saved. And some of it's going to be stuff that will last. And some of it's going to be stuff that is so temporal. I mean, how many of you sometimes lay your head down on your pillow at night and go, what was that? I mean, I don't think anything good happened today. Anybody? Just thank you, God, that I'm saved. Anybody? Or is it just me? All right. And then other days, you put your head down on your pillow and you go, dang, that's good. That's good. Thank you, Lord. I think maybe we built with some something meaningful and eternal today. But he said, if anyone builds, his work, verse 13, will be shown for what it is because the day, meaning the judgment day, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. So there's a fire coming, Eddie. Welcome to Jesus. There's a fire ahead of you and me. There's a fire. What's the fire about? I thought that's why I was trusting in Jesus, to miss the fire. And he said, it would... He said, because the day will bring it to light, it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Well, what is it that survives a fire? Is the gold, right? Is the silver and the costly stones. What is it that doesn't survive the fire? Is the wood and the hay and the stubble, correct? He said, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Now catch this. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. So there's stuff that's going to make it and there's stuff that isn't. But notice that although our entrance into heaven, our citizenship in heaven is built only on Jesus Christ, that apparently there's going to be some reward, some difference according to how we have lived our lives with Christ as our Savior because of what we're building with. He says if it's burned up, He'll suffer loss. But look at this. He himself will be saved. Why? Because Jesus is the foundation. He himself will be saved. You'll be saved if your faith is in Jesus Christ. But only as one escaping through the flames. This is not a good picture. (laughs) To be the person in heaven who is naked and smells like smoke for eternity. This is a sudden motivation to be obedient to the word of God and the will of God, isn't it? Because that part makes a difference, but it's not legalism. It's not works righteousness because your salvation is never at risk in this whole obedience thing I'm talking about. Does that make sense? Say yes or we'll start again. Okay, good. The second thing the second reason I say no, it's not works righteousness is because what I'm talking about is more a matter of kingdom geography than anything else. Say, kingdom geography? Say, what is this thing of which you speak? And try to sound like Yoda, maybe. I, I got, I got, I'm going too far now, huh? It's. Second service, you know, it's like, first service was so good. It's like playing the second half of a football game when you're like 40 points ahead, you know. I don't know, just throw something. EBI, just throw something. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Kingdom geography. The kind of blessing I'm talking about, the kind of blessing I'm talking about, listen, it's so important that you get this is not something you are earning by your obedience. There, I've been obedient, God. It's not something you're earning by your obedience, but something you are receiving because of your geographical location in the kingdom of God. Try to think of it this way. I want to I show you something about, about kingdom geography. So, let's say that God is here, and one of the, the most important things that you must understand in this concept is this this whole concept begins with the understanding that it is the heart of god to bless his people it is the heart of god to bless his people he's not just tolerating you he loves you and it is heart it is his heart to bless you and to bless you with his own presence to bless you with his own self so don't miss this, because this whole concept hinges on you believing that it is at the center of the heart of God to bless to bless you. This was his intention in the beginning, right? Did anybody get the Genesis 1 yet? Yeah. Nobody? Really? Seriously? It's right at the beginning. So in Genesis, it's right in the, I mean, it's right there, Genesis 1 and 2. God creates stuff, and he goes, this is good. This is good. This is good. And then he has this fellowship with us. It's, he made this garden for us. It's this heart of God to bless us. That The center of the heart of God is to bless us. And then this is interrupted by sin. So that sin comes into the world, breaks, breaks the, the, the loveliness, the tenderness of the relationship between God and man. And what was the consequence to man for sin? Separation. Put out of the garden. Who said that, Tim? You may go. Okay. Sit down. They were cast out of the garden. There was a change in geography. You can't be here anymore. It is my heart to bless. Sin has come and interrupted the relationship between us. You are cast out. And so there's a change in geography. It's still God's heart to bless. The current of his blessing is still falling down. But but we're over there now. We're over there because of sin. Now, enter Jesus Christ and the cross. And that part of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross was to restore us to our intended place in the created order. Including changing our geography to be back under the blessing of God. Hello? Hello? Jesus said, "This is. What I want you to be where I am." In John fourteen, Jesus said, "In my Father's house are many mansions." He said, "I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, you may be also." The ultimate agenda of God is to draw you into His presence for eternity, and the essential step of obedience that I want you to get is that when God calls you to be obedient to something by His Word or by His Spirit, it's to move you on this journey of obedience so that you're back under the place of His blessing because where those two things intersect, you get something good. Where the current of God's blessing intersects with your obedience to whatever matter it is, then something good happens under there. You've got to get a hold of that. That's what this is about. Take one of God's more obvious promises in Malachi 3.10. He says, we don't talk a lot about money around here, but listen, he said, bring a whole tithe into the storehouse. He said, bring the whole tithe, a tenth, into the storehouse. He says, test me in this. Test me. He said, and see. If I will not pour out such a blessing on you, you won't have room enough for it. That's God's promise. He says that if we honor him with the tithe, he will open the heavens. That's the direct, direct blessing. And it will be proportional to our obedience in the matter of the tithe. So if we're standing here and we're standing over here and we're not tithing, for example, this is one of many examples, you're not tithing and God is calling you to tithe. He said, I'm over here. My blessings over here, and you go. I'm good. I got this. I got this, and you're fussing around trying to use this one to pay that one, and all this. Are are you listening to me? And, And you're going backwards, and you're resisting. You're resisting the obedience to God, and you say, "Why won't you bless me, God?" And he says, "I will. I'm waiting to. Just come on over here." Come over here. And the distance between wherever we are and wherever God is waiting to bless us in whatever the matter of your life is, is the journey of obedience. And it's a critical part of the process because something happens to you as you make that journey. It's important for you to understand that wherever you are in whatever blessing, you're not ready for that blessing until you make the journey because something happens to you in the process of being obedient. So some of you are standing over here going, you said you'd bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. You're not ready for God to open up the storehouse of heaven. You're not ready for him to pile it up around you. Because as you make this journey of obedience, you realize that it's not about the money at all. And you become a generous person, and you realize that you're a vessel of God's stuff, and it doesn't matter. And that journey gets you ready to be here. And one of the things that Karen and I have always done is we've always, of all the things we've messed up in our lives, we were always always found a way to be faithful in the tithe. Even when we were poor with five kids at home, we always found a way to be faithful in the tithe. And God drew us along this path. And I want to tell you something right now. We're in high cotton. I don't mind saying so. There's nothing I can't put my hand to that God doesn't bless. I'm the king of Craigslist. You should turn it to Tom's List. (laughs) I'm serious. But I had to make that journey. Wasn't ready to be here when I was over there. Apply that to whatever the issue of obedience is in your life. Whatever it is that God's saying, what is He saying? And you might be a person saying, well, how come God just doesn't bring me to blessing where I am? Hey! I got one question for you. Seriously? Are, are you the center of the universe now? I mean, the Bible says that God is the center of the universe. It's not you. Go ahead, gasp. I know. But it's not you. But the other thing is so important is that it is the process of coming to God that prepares you to receive the blessing. Whatever that area, whatever that blessing is. I want a relational blessing. I want a relationship blessing, Lord. Are you being obedient in the relationships that you're in? Make the walk. Walk the hard walk. Make the hard choices. Fill in the blank. I guess what I want you to know is I've been reading this Bible for a long time. I've been trying to follow Jesus for a long time. I've been enjoying the company of the Holy Spirit for quite a while. And there's a blessing waiting for you just a few steps away. You don't earn the blessing by taking the steps already earned for you. It's just not where you're standing. You're just not in the right place and not entirely ready for the blessing until you experience the journey of obedience. So God is always saying, come over here, isn't he? God's always saying, come over here. There's so many facets to our lives. And God's always saying in some facet of our lives, isn't he? Come over here. Come over here. You're not in the center. And he's speaking that to you through the word. Sandy, you're reading this Bible thing and you go, he wrote that for me today. Come on, right? That's how he spe- But he also speaks to you in the interior voice of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So they follow me. They, they can hear me. And I believe what God is saying is that there's a supernatural blessing for you over here. And it's worth the journey. Anybody get to the Gospel of John yet? Chapter 1, and there's this guy named Nathaniel, and he's under a fig tree, and he has to go from under the fig tree over to where Jesus is, right? He had to get out from under the fig tree, is my point. Anybody get to Matthew 14 yet? There's this walking on water thing with Peter. <laughs> so, so here's how it goes. So Jesus sends his disciples ahead of him and puts them all in a boat they're out there, and they're like, all right, let's go to the other side. And and then a big storm comes up. They all get scared. There's no Jesus because he wasn't with them. Ah. Well, Jesus says, no problem. I'll just catch up with them. He walks across the water. They see him coming, and they go, who wouldn't, right? And so, but, but Peter, of all people, he says to the Lord, he says, Lord, is that you? He said, if that's you, call me. Call me to come to you. Jesus says, Bring it. And he called him. And there was a blessing waiting for Peter (laughs) a few yards away from the boat on a stormy sea. And then Peter had a decision to make, right? I can, Jesus said, come. And he got out of the boat, and he just sashayed right over to him, didn't he? Hello? Hello? You said you read it. What happened? Took his eyes off Jesus. What did he look at? The water. Duh, people can't walk on water, and I'm doing it. He gets down to his neck, and he says, Lord, save me. Right? Puts his eyes right back on Jesus. <laughs> what did Jesus do? Why you got yourself in that mess? You get yourself out of it, right? That's, that's some of your God, right? Says so he reached out his hand, he picked him up, and he saved. And they had to walk back to the boat. And 11 of his brothers going, Oh my God. <laughs> he had to go. Why? Because something very important happened in the journey between the boat and Jesus. Something very, very important happened. And the blessing was in the journey, the change that occurred in Peter's life because of the journey that he took. Alta Kinsel in 1978 was waiting in her nursing home room for me to show up. She was waiting under the current of God's blessing. She did not need some punk pastor to show up who thought he knew up from down or crap from apple butter, which I didn't. (laughs) She did not need me to show up. She was enjoying the presence of God, the spirit of God, the blessing of God. And God blessed me. God blessed me when I went. God was calling me to meet him there. And the choice was mine. And that blessing, that blessing has come in a thousand ways since then. In a thousand hospital rooms since then. Places I didn't want to go, everybody always wants to show me their incision. I don't want to see I don't need to see this. But every time God has met me in blessing. And He's deepened it every every time. The blessing was Him. The blessing happened in such a big way just a few years ago when I was in India and some of you were there with me and we were in the leper colony in Bargur. Leper colony where two or three hundred lepers live and they're, they're cast-offs. They're not allowed out of this fenced area and they live in these huts that have concrete floors on these little straw mats that are literally this thick and they live on the, in the darkness Nobody ever goes, but we go and it was one of our one of our trips there, and I'd been there before, and this time, I think there were about ten of you with us and when we handed out blankets, we handed out blankets to all those people, and then we walked around and just followed the heart of the Lord as we walked walked around and I didn't realize that in 1978 God was preparing me for something in whatever year that was just a few years ago but walked up to this man who was sitting on a porch and he was crying out to me for help in a language I didn't understand but it was clear help me turns out he wanted me to take him with me and he had his foot in a five gallon bucket like a paint bucket you know it wasn't pretty at all, and he was soaking his foot in it. And I said, What's wrong with your foot? In the leper colony. i buckle up. But he lifted that gangrenous stump up out of that water, and I was ready. I was ready then. I was ready to minister then. We walked a little while further, and there were these different long buildings at the leper colony, and there was this one building I'd never seen before, and uh, in spite of the times I'd been there, and I I said to our host, Pastor Stephen, I said, what's that? And he said, that's the infirmary. I said, the what? That's the infirmary. That's where the sick people live. I'm in a leper colony. Already. Everybody's sick. And the Spirit of the Lord stirred in my heart. And I said, "Uh, Can I go in there? And he turned away. He started to walk away. I grabbed his short little arm. I said, Stephen... Can I go in there? And he said, Yeah. <laughs> go, he says. So I walked in there, and he walked in behind me. And in there were 10 or 12 people who looked half human. They were living on these little mats in the dark. They would see me, and they'd put their hands out like this and cry out, and do something. So the Spirit of the Lord just came over me and I just knelt down by each one of them and on the mat with them. I just put my hand on them. Prayed for each one of them. These are people, some of whom hadn't been touched by another human being for decades. And I just put my hand on them. Just prayed. Just prayed. Prayed for a blessing for these people. I believe God blessed them because he blessed me. He blessed me. The blessing that's under the Lord is the Lord. And it's just a few steps away. When you're listening to these matters of obedience, God is stirring in everybody's heart. And you go, but that'd be so hard. Yeah. So Father, we just ask you to come now and complete the work that you've started.